everyone. I'm Arlene Dickinson. Thanks for joining me on my podcast. It's no secret that small business is a big deal for TELUS. Earlier this year, TELUS helped make things better for small businesses through their pledge to stand with owners. In continuing their support for owners across Canada, they are excited to introduce the Owners Advantage Plan, an exclusive mobility plan tailored to help business owners stay connected to their family, business, and community. The Owner's Advantage Plan offers a wide variety of benefits designed to provide greater value and more flexibility than ever before, including yearly device upgrades, endless data, same-day device repair, and access to on-demand virtual healthcare, all on the world's fastest mobile network in the world. Visit telus.com slash owner's advantage. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Reinvention. Today, Arlene chats with Daniel Mazzone, a visual artist that's been gaining quite a bit of popularity recently. Now known for his recognizable pop art style, Daniel's journey hasn't always been picture perfect. After a falling out with his mother at the age of 15, he found himself living on the streets of Toronto. An endless cycle of drug use, drinking, and couch surfing became his routine for five years. Until one day he had a moment of clarity and realized that the life he was leading wasn't the one he wanted to be defined by. Set on rewriting his story, Daniel made amends with his mom, finished high school, and found himself a job. But while that gave him the stability he sought, it didn't give him the happiness he craved. Spending the majority of his time creating art, one day Daniel's friend asked to display one of his pieces at a restaurant that he worked at. A short time later, Daniel got a call that the piece was sold for $15,000. And that began his journey of reinvention. Welcome to the episode with Daniel Mazzone. Daniel is a good friend who is such an accomplished artist and now furniture maker and jewelry designer. And I I mean, Daniel, your life has just been such an explosion of reinvention. And I think you're a perfect example of what happens when you kind of establish yourself in a way that allows you to expand your horizons. You know, I think part of what reinvention is all about is figuring out what your core is all about and then allowing yourself to take that in new places. So maybe we can start today, though, um, first of all, by saying thank you so much for joining me. I'm really excited to talk to you. I always love talking to you. Um, And then then talk a little bit about your background, because I don't think everybody knows your story. So maybe you can just give us a quick kind of how did Daniel Mazzone come to be and what's his life story about? Well, um, I, I think uh, as a child, I did artwork with my mom, as you know, and uh, so I had a great passion for it as a kid. And, you know, I, I, I always dreamed of being an artist, but I had, you know, sort of even my mom being an artist, I had the old school parents where I was, uh, I think being an artist wasn't a great choice. Uh, <laughs> yeah. choice just because, you know, the idea of, you know, being an artist and you'd be starving and you couldn't make any money. And, uh, so I, I think I didn't really follow that. Well, that was part of it. And then, you know, troubles at home. And as you know, I was homeless from 15 to 20. So I, you know, I'd stopped doing artwork for, I mean, it was just, it's not something you think about when you're living on the street. It's more of a, you know, survival mode. And, you know, I, I, once I sort of, you know, the last year I was on the street, I just figured that, 
you know, this couldn't be the story of my life. There was more, more to it. That there had to be more to it than what I was doing. You know, so I, I, you know, got help and I got off the street and, you know, I, I got a job and I, and I finished high school when I was 22 because I'd left home at 15. So I was, I dropped out and, you know, my, my initial thoughts were not getting back to artwork because that was not a, wasn't a career choice. It was something I just did because I loved it. So I, I started working at restaurants and I, and I thought that, uh, you know, being surrounded by, I mean, the restaurant I went to, it was surrounded by stockbrokers and, you know, and wealthy people. And I thought, wow, these people sure look happy. I mean, who wouldn't be happy at dinner? You know, so I thought, you know, money was what would make you happy. So I thought um, I, I'd ask, you know, Michael Weckerly, as you know, uh, uh, if I could work for him. And he told me the courses I needed. And I went to Ryerson and took business courses and I got my Series 69. And I was volunteering on the trading floor. And uh, and I, I honestly hated every minute of it. But I did it. I, I finished all my courses because, I, you know, I was also... Uh, brought up in a way that you know it didn't matter what you did you always gave 110 percent um even if it wasn't something you loved so i i, I still did well and I, and I still passed my courses even though i hated all of it then i think i got to a point where you know i just uh you know, wishing for friday to come and anxiety on sunday because you know monday was work so Really, the, the the sad part of it was is you you know a lot of people go through this and you you're actually wishing for eighty percent of your life to disappear Monday to Friday, you don't want it to exist. You're living for the weekend. So I, I thought you know wouldn't it be nice if uh, maybe we we can all have a job that we love, but maybe we can find something we love to do every day. So I started doing artwork again, and um, it, it was not to to sell it. It was not to make a career out of it. I mean, I didn't think anybody would even like it to be honest. But I was so excited at work to get home so I could do artwork. So it made my days at work so much easier. So I enjoyed my life. And then, uh, you know, a, a friend of mine had put it up in a restaurant, one of my pieces, and it sold for an amount of money that was, you know, kind of validated that maybe this is something I could do. And it just sort of took off from there. I mean, that's a, it's a, you, you, I, I love that. That's a great abridged version of, of what's taken you here. And thanks for sharing that. But let's just start at, you, you, you said a couple things. You, 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 your child growing up, your mom's an artist, you, there's some, some dysfunction in your family, which, hey, we all have dysfunction in our families. Um, but at 15, you go out on the streets. Yeah. Um, Not easy. Well, no, was was there something going on in your life that like took you there? Were you kicked out of your home? Were you? Well, it was just it was an abusive, uh, a little bit of an abusive home, and uh, I didn't really have the option. I was told to leave uh, because I was old enough. So my my father had left when we were kids too. So uh, you know the, the the police were there, and they said you have two options: you can go live with your father, or you can figure it out. And I had never really known my father or him to be a nice person. So I just said, that's fine. I'll figure it out. And I stayed at friends' houses for, you know, like maybe a couple months. And that, that got old real quick. And I remember one night someone said, hey, do you want to go to this party in the city? And I said, sure. And he, I, I just met the guy and he brought me to this party and we stayed up all night. And I said, I'm kind of tired. Can we go to your place? And he says, well, I don't live anywhere. I never forget this guy, Brian Barry. I wish I would see him again. 
And he says, well, I don't live anywhere. And I said, what do you mean you don't live anywhere? He's like, this is what I do. I just go to a party and I figure it out from there. And, and I, and it was like, I didn't realize there was a whole, all the people we were, there's a whole culture of kids that did this. Really? And, yeah. Yeah. It was nuts. There were, there were like, you know, uh, 30, 40 people I knew on the street and this is all they did. They went to, there was a rape scene in the, in the nineties and they would go to these parties all night because they didn't have to sleep outside. So you would go there and then just kind of go to someone's house. And then when, when you were tired, maybe you would sleep in the park or uh, sometimes I would sleep in movie theaters. There were, there were $2 to get in. So I would go to different theaters, uh, subway trains. Uh, uh, sometimes in the mall bathrooms, I would like sit on the toilet with my head on my lap and just sleep, you know, just to have some sort of privacy where, where people wouldn't bother you. Someone would always knock. And, <laughs> always, always kick you out of there. Someone always really had to go, so I don't know. Um, uh, yeah, it was though there was a whole culture of it, and, uh, and and it went on for five years. I did that, and I mean, I, I, that's like an enormous amount of time, especially at one of the most formative years of your life. You know, when you're, I, I you know, I think for any teenager, you know, like when you're 18 or 19 years old, you're really starting to kind of figure out who you are as a person and you've got hormones racing through your body and, and you're exposed to the rave scene and everything you described to me. I mean, I can't imagine that there weren't a lot of drugs and oh, drinking yeah. and. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sure. Yeah. There's uh, you know, uh, this is what you do. You know, you try to mask your, uh, your depression and your sadness with drugs and then it ends up being a daily thing and then ends up being something you need every day. And then it just destroys your life even more. And then, uh, you know, towards the end, I would say the last year was, you know, that's when you go like, okay, wow, this is, can't believe it. it took me five years, but uh, this this can't be my story. And then, you know, I ended up having a, a heart attack and going to the hospital, uh, ODing from drugs. And um, yeah, I just had called my mom after five years and said, hey, listen, I'm going to die if I stay on the street. You know, do you mind if I, if I come home? She, of course, she let me come home. The situation was better. And so I went home and I just realized that I had you know, she thought that I had a drug problem, which I, I did. And she says, you know, if you come home, you got to go to rehab. I said, okay, I'll go to rehab. And I remember she took me to this rehab. It was up north. And they drop you off with no wallet, no money, no phone, nothing. And I went in there for 10 minutes. And I saw, you know, not that the people are bad there, but I just said, I don't think I'm going to get better at this place. Like, these people are not motivating to me. I wanted to be around stuff that I thought. I didn't want to be around anything negative. So I walked home. I remember it took me, I walked for about 16 or 17 hours. I walked in the morning and it was nighttime. And I, I remember I'd finally got to, uh, I'd lived at, in Richmond Hill and I got to uh, Canada's Wonderland. And mm -hmm. I remember saying, man, I wish I had a little bit of money. I would just, because I could just take a taxi. And I found $20 in the ditch. Oh, gee. <laughs> yeah. So it was like, okay, this is a good turn. I, I got the, I took a taxi home and I just told my mom that I would quit on my own. And she gave me the chance. I, I just realized that I, I was doing these things as a band-aid and I, I, I had an addictive personality. So it was not that I was really doing them for the enjoyment. It was just a band-aid. So I just found addictive things to be uh, a positive things to be addicted to. So I started working out seven days a week and eating healthy and, and I didn't, I didn't hang out with anybody who did any of that stuff. And I just I stopped drinking and I stopped smoking. And I 
just cold turkey with everything. And I really focused on it. So then from then on, I just, you know, then I started doing the school and I would be obsessed with like succeeding and, and, and becoming a better person and, and, uh, and not doing anything negative. So at 20, 22 years old, you're going back to high school, right. which must have, well, well, actually there's a couple things I want to unpack there. The, the, it's, it's not easy to quit an addiction on your own. Um, especially to quit cold turkey like that for the people who are listening what would you tell them you know like what would you say now to your younger self about that would you say to walk home and do it the way you did would you say hey no maybe you get some help like what I mean I, I it's probably the truth is somewhere in between it could be all of those things I'm sure you always need help you had your mom and your family support but yeah. what would you say to kids are going through well, I, I think what is something I would definitely say is, I think one thing that you really the only reason I did all of it was, you have to just understand where, you know, life is short and 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 is it, is it worth it? Is it worth it to you? Is it is this going to be your story? And that's what motivated me to, to become something different. I mean, obviously we don't imagine ourselves being homeless and being on drugs and in the situation we're in. So you have to get to a point where you have to realize that your your life's worth something more and everybody has the ability to become something great. I think we're all given a gift. We just, we don't all open it. So I hear what you're saying about, you know, like, is this going to be your story? And I think that's a perfect thing about reinventing yourself is you actually have to stop and say, am I actually doing what I want to do? And, and do I need to change what I'm going to do? in order to be who I want to be. And sometimes it's about saying that out loud. So in your case, it sounds like you you really got yourself, like, did you have to hit rock bot bottom in order to figure out how you wanted to reinvent yourself? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think, well, I think being that age too, it's just like you get caught up in, in everything that's going on and time really just blows by. I mean, uh, that that's the problem with being 15 yeah. as well. I think as, as a teenager, yeah. you think like, Oh, I'm a superhero and life is so long and I have time, but you know, the years go by. And as you know, they blow by even more when you're older. And um, yeah, I mean, it just, it's just a matter of what you want out of life. And, and, and like I said, I think everybody's, I mean, it doesn't have to be something extraordinary. I think we all have a gift. We just have to open it. And, and, and if you find that gift and, you know, have the, um, you know, the, the, the courage to really, move forward and I think a lot of people are discouraged by oh this is just my life and this is just how it goes and this is how it's always been but that's not really the case I mean it's just life is what you make of it really yeah um Shakespeare has a, a line I, I'm not I'm gonna butcher it but it's about our destiny isn't in the stars our destiny is in ourselves and, yeah. you know, some people think it's fate or it's, hey, it's just what's going to happen to my life. But reinventing yourself and changing your course of your life really is dependent on you having right. the courage and the ability to say, I can do this. And but yeah. too often in life, aren't we kind of pushed down and said, you know, we don't have it in us or, you know, you're not good enough or you shouldn't. Why do you think you could do that? Who told you you could do that? You shouldn't do that. You should do this. And we get kind of narrowed into this belief that we're not capable. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, listen, I, I, even as a kid, as you know, uh, how many uh, adventures and businesses have you tried and people go, oh, that's really hard or, oh, no, no, the, that, that market's really tough. Yeah, I mean, they're all tough. 
They're, I mean, yeah. art is tough. They're, everything is tough. There's always going to be people that discourage you. It's a, it's a matter of not listening to them because they're always going to be people that try. You know, I think it's I think a lot of the time it's people that are not doing something they love. And what they're going to try and do is, you know, keep you down where they are. Uh, because a lot of times people don't. It sounds bad, but I think people don't want to see you succeed. And I think you just have to. I think you do it for yourself. I don't really do it for other people. I do it um, to, to see because I know I'm capable of doing something. And, and, I, and I bet I bet I invest on myself. You know, and, and that's kind of why I, I got into the, the other things I'm doing. You know, I said, well, it's, it's great. You know, you're doing well, but how do I invest in other people's businesses and what should I do? And I mean, kind of like what you do. And I said, well, well, I'm capable of doing different things. Why don't I just reinvest more in myself and other areas? You know, so I yeah. believe yourself. I think that whole notion of, you know, people always say, well, if you had money to invest in, what would you invest in? I always say invest in yourself. Like the oh. first dollar you should bet is on you. You know, like making sure that you're putting your effort towards, you know, being the best you can be. And, and then you get to bet on other people. But if you can't bet on yourself, then who is going to bet on you? Like it, it's it's got to start with you believing that you can do something. And and so, you know, people who want to get, get rich schemes or they want to be successful because somebody else worked hard. That's not that's not wealth. That's 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 a ridiculous notion as you just said you know you've got to believe that you can do these things because that's the fulfillment you get in life and I I do think that a lot of people miss that notion that and it's easy to say because we have are fortunate enough to have enough money to be not worried about money but when you are in a place you've been homeless I've been flat ass broke we've both been in places where we've had nothing and I think it gives you a different perspective on the value of money not because it can buy you things, but because it gives you freedom to be able to um, to not have somebody tell you and control your life. And right. that's, to me, the important part, right? And, and, and it can also disappear. Yes, so quickly. Uh, so quickly. I mean, uh, uh, sometimes it's harder to uh, maintain wealth than, than to make it. Sometimes there's just like, oh, yeah, obviously, you know, I mean, it's just uh, there are a lot more things going on. <laughs> Yeah, well, you can, you can, there's a lot of people trying to take your wealth away from you. When you talk about what you did relative to, you know, like you, you go back to school, you look, take a, a securities course, you, you start trading, you hate it. Um, you then have this art project that you're doing on the side just to keep yourself happy because you hate your day job, which I think is where a lot of people find, by the way, kind of what they, they really are doing what they love, but they just don't have the courage to say, that's what I'm going to do full time because they can't see how they can make a living yeah. at it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you're doing it because it's keeping you happy, but you, did you imagine that you could make a living at it? And if that first picture hadn't sold. You know, I actually, I, I would just kept making them. I didn't think it was going to be a career. I, I didn't, uh, I mean, I think I still in my head thought that, you know, you can't make money as an artist. So these people sort of validated it for me. But the difference is, is, you know, so that they bought my painting on a Sunday. And, and I remember on my way to meet the people, I, I quit my I was working at a mortgage office at this point because the market had crashed. So I wasn't at the. Yeah. And and, uh, and and I quit my job on that Sunday because I knew if I had gone to work on Monday. I, I may have gotten comfortable with a check. So I wanted to put myself in a situation where I, I had to really 
put myself out there. So I quit my job. I remember telling my boss that I would try it out for a year and call her back. And she said, yeah, don't bother calling me. She was so mad. At <laughs> I quit on her on Sunday. So she wasn't so super impressed. So I was stressed out. I, I cleared out everything in my apartment. I lived in a basement apartment. I got rid of all the furniture. I turned the whole place into a studio. Really? Yeah. Just a bed. Just a bed. Just, and a, bed. A, Just a bed and then workstations. I got rid of everything. TV because I didn't want to sit there and watch movies. Nothing. It was like music and artwork. So when you think about that, talking about investing in yourself and the, the need to be able to do that when you want to, you know, kind of change your life's path. You took your first check that you got from your first picture that you sold, which was a, it was, it was a good amount because I happen to know that you made a good amount of money on it, but not like it wasn't a fortune. Yeah, yeah. And you took every dollar of that and reinvested it into yourself. In this, yeah, like, I, 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 so these people validated that you know my art was good enough to to to, to sell at a point where you could make a career out of it. And I, I didn't have a job anymore, so I said, "Wow, well, I got I got this money. I might as well." Uh, I, I just really pictured myself as okay. I could do this. How much did you make on the first picture? What was what did you sell for? How much? Fifteen thousand, and I would have fifteen thousand. It's crazy. That's like I, I remember him. <laughs> <laughs> I remember him calling me. So he uh, he he'd come. Uh, my this is a restaurant I used to work at, and he said, "Oh, these are really nice in my house." And he says, "You know, do you mind if I sell them?" I said, "I don't think people will like them." And he says, oh, yeah, let me just take one. And so he took one and, and he called me a few days later. I was watching TV and he says, uh, oh, hey, uh, I sold your artwork. And I said, exact words. I said, dude, I told you not to sell my pin. <laughs> and he said, swear, he says, don't be a bitch. There's $15,000 here for you. And I said, I'll never, I could sell it all. I could sell it 10 shows and I don't have the same feeling. Yeah. And I went, I'll see you in 10 minutes. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> get that $15,000. Well, I how old were you? Know, it was like a validation. It was like, wow, someone really, you know, paid this much money for my artwork. Wow. You know, this is maybe this is what I should do. And I literally 10 minutes later quit my job. It makes me think of, uh, you know, when Sally Fields was accepting her Oscar and she said, you like me, you really like me. Like it like as if she needed to be told that somebody liked her, but she did. We, because yeah. we all, we all need validation. We all need somebody yeah. to say, you know, and, and even though we shouldn't, and, and you said something earlier that I want to circle back on, which was, you know, um, people don't want to see you fail as much as they, they can't, that they, they can't really bury your success. It's not that they want you to fail. They just don't want you to be successful because then that puts a, spotlight back on themselves to say why didn't I do those things you know I, I should have tried those things and and that's where regret comes from people thinking I regret that I didn't push like Daniel's pushed or you know other people yeah. that I've spoken to on the show push show so I think I think it's more that how old were you when you sold that painting 30 30 10 years now so, yeah. yeah I was just gonna say just like last year yeah I was <laughs> so kind no, yeah, ten was, years ago. Yeah, ten years. Yeah. And and tell me, so in ten years, you just said that that feeling, that first painting you sold, nothing, no matter if you sold a show today, it didn't doesn't replace that first painting you sold. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why I also try and push myself to like make better artwork and do different things. I think just like drugs, it's like you're chasing this first. It's a high that you got. Off, off something you're doing 
So it's something, something positive. When you make, when you create your art now, Daniel, do you ever have a concern that people aren't going to like it? Are you constantly still seeking that validation? Like, do you worry, am I going to be able to sell this? Is anyone going to like this? Am I still relevant? Like, what do artists go through in terms of that anxiety about what they're creating? Um, I never, uh, I, I used to actually, the first couple of years, I, uh, I think I made artwork to please people. What are people going to like? Oh, are people going to like this? And, I just, uh, it's not that I don't think about that now. I think I just, I just do what I want to do. And I think it's about pleasing myself now more than anything. And in yeah. and, 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 and doing that, I actually create better artwork. Because I think when you're trying to please other people, you, you, you also put up walls. And what yeah. you do in expanding yourself, because you're always, I think you're afraid to really push the limits and the envelope and, um, you know, there's actually a scene from Andy Warhol. It's, it's, I don't remember the exact words, but it's it's about you know uh, make artwork, and if people don't like it, just keep making more artwork. <laughs> See, because you know why? Okay, yeah, yeah, people buy my artwork, but not everybody loves it. I mean, it's not for everybody. So you're always someone's always going to have something to say. It's just about doing it for yourself. There's always going to be yeah. Isn't that life though? Isn't life just about you know like people? Eat, especially if you're a people pleaser, I always say to people who spend their life trying to please others, you'll never find happiness in that because you're never going to be able to keep everybody happy because everyone's always going to have different expectations of you. You've got to start with pleasing yourself and you can't be who you want to be and be all you can be. If you don't start with thinking about who you are, like what is it that makes you happy? And, and we lose sight of that. I mean, and I've noticed in your artwork, Daniel, like, in the last little while, it's really evolved. Like I've really noticed that when you talk about expressing yourself, like the painting you did where the lady was screaming because of the pandemic and, you know, the one with the woman by the, the, um, the, the water that you had with her back, like the, the, and the piece even behind you, you know, like, I feel like you're, you're creating things. The child and the dinosaur. Oh, well, yeah. That, oh, that's beautiful. It's like, but like, see, I just think that's to me so you're really starting to get out of not just doing famous people, but you're actually starting to talk about what you see. Yeah. And, and, you know, cause most of your art prior was about, you know, famous figures. Right. right, right. And, and you seem to have moved past that into this expression well, of what you're feeling. Section where I was trying to please other people. What do people like? So there were, what there was also the part of me being able to tell the story of these people that I admired as well. But so so now it's actually kind of great because if people want stuff like that, I, I, I'm still happy to make things like that. But now they also see, you know, other things that I'm making. Like I'm doing this one here, actually. This is to show the AGO. It's a, it's a 14 foot piece. I don't know if you, can, you can't really see it in the camera, but yeah, it's a, it's a whole scene of uh, different children wearing capes and some are wearing uh, uh, helmets and, and spacesuits and, it's just about children being the, 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 the future of the world and, um, you know, and how there's so many things getting in their way and, and, and standing in the, in, in the face of their dreams. So in the corner, there's actually a guy painting over their dreams. You can see there's a white section. It's actually a guy in a suit rolling over. And that's because the whole thing's supposed to be a dream. 
Oh, well, I actually love the metaphor of that, that I'm sure, I'm not sure if that's what you're trying to say, but I love the metaphor of how adults can tamper children's dreams just by telling them what they should expect to, to be and, and, and forcing them into lives that aren't exactly what they want. But, you know, parents say, you should be a lawyer, you should be a doctor, you should well, be a... That is, yeah. I love that. I, I, I love that idea. And, and, and you in particular, you've, you've experienced that. You've gone from reinventing yourself as a, you know, a kid on the street to an art uh, to a stockbroker to an artist and now you've expanded your art into other expressions so your art was um paintings and and um pictures what are what what have you moved into now what how are you reinventing yourself now well i you know i when the pandemic had started i mean i was a little bit discouraged because i love doing the shows i love doing art basil and i love putting art shows together it's uh it's kind of like a you know a celebration of, of things you're working on and, and and again validation too what do people think of the, the what you know the thoughts you've had over the last year so you know I, I I was busy with commissions and I thought well maybe this 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 the shows are a lot of work to put together and I said well I mean not that I have a lot of extra time but you know maybe I've, I've always wanted to design furniture so I I started drawing furniture and, and, I, and I, I took a flight to Italy and I met up with uh, Menotti. Do you know Menotti? They make furniture. No. It's like uh, Italian. They're like, well, top five furniture companies in the world. I didn't think they would talk to me. Why? I don't know them. <laughs> <laughs> Ikea, I know. <laughs> no, this stuff and the, the, the designs and the way they put things together are incredible. I, I actually went to Milan to meet with them in the middle of the pandemic i showed them my designs and they loved it and i asked them if they would manufacture my furniture and and now they have agreed to so um yeah i have this whole line of furniture coming out and i'm really excited about it and what have uh, you made like chairs and couch, like can you do you have any pictures you can share with us have you What's seen that? no so, can you share it can you show uh, us uh, yeah i can yeah Wow. I, I here, I, iPhone to Zoom. We're going to. Yeah, I'm going to do it right now. Let's see here. You know, at the end of the day, you just go like, hey, what do I have to lose? It, it either works or it doesn't work. And if it doesn't work, you try exactly. something else. Yeah. It was just a trip to Milan, which wasn't so bad. How did you fly to Milan? Anyway, that's a whole other story about how you got to Milan. I flew on a 787 with 10 people. Really? You couldn't see the other people on the plane. Wow. It, yeah, it was nuts. Nobody was. I was in Venice as well. I went to Murano. Because I'm building um, um, chandeliers out of uh, so you see my florals. So mm -hmm. I, well, I have some florals that I do. So they're actually we're recreating my flowers in glass. So it looks like an explosion of flowers in the sky. And oh, wow. they're going to put my furniture and chandeliers in um, in the Milan Design Show in September. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So yeah. when is it for sale? When does it come for sale? Um, it'll be for sale. In the next couple months, well, they're just—they're making everything now. Hold on, I'm just getting to. Uh... And then, so while you're looking for that, you 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 went and did furniture, and then you also are doing jewelry. Are you not? Jewelry, yeah, with the Sapirs. It's really nice. It'll be done in actually two weeks. I made a, yeah. a, a diamond pendant out of uh, Mayumi, the sculpture. Oh really? <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. See if we can see. Can you see there? Let's see if we can see. Okay, so this is my design. Yeah. And then this is this is the table. Wow. Yeah. So wow. 
So they beautiful. Got, yeah, thank you. That's beautiful. And then I'll show you the, the different, there's different tables. And then uh, those are the different marbles you can have with it. And then these are my chairs. Oh, I love the chairs. They're fantastic. So they've all got that same kind of floral. Oh, those are fabulous. That's this, fabulous. This oh. Two people. So that'll be the back of the chair. Oh, it's fabulous. Yeah. Love so, it. That, that wallpaper. Uh, but I even made my own, I designed my own fabrics to go on the sofas. <laughs> it's really, it's a lot of fun. And and so and and the jewelry you're making rings and pendants and yeah the jewelry I was I was doing a, a few pieces uh, to do with Dempsey how they do uh, I don't think I was trying to turn that into any you know big thing I, I think I'm I'm really focusing on more of the furniture yeah that was to do a few pieces and 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 see how it goes but the furniture is something I'd really like to turn into something and eventually. You know, I, I love design and architecture. Uh, eventually, what I would love to do is just create my own company where uh, I would uh, design a house from set for someone, design the house, what it looks like, and then everything that goes in it from art to to uh, everything that goes inside. And it better go well. It's, it's pretty expensive to put this together. I was going to say, I was going to say, are you are you putting are you so talking about investing in yourself? You're investing in yourself big time right now. Yeah. I, 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 Thankfully, uh, uh, people that have bought artwork for, for me before, I already, you know, uh, sold two sofas, a dining room set. And so I'm just using the money from that to, to, to create all the other stuff. So it's, uh, it's, it's working out so far. I'm just trying to figure out how to grow it into something. I've never done something like this. So I'm trying to figure out how do I turn it into uh, a bigger company than it is? Because I can, I, I know that I can sell to, you know, clients and have it at shows and, Sure, I can sell like you know 10, 20 sofas and whatever. How do I grow it into a big brand? And I'm still trying to figure that out. Well, luxury brands are are are. I mean, you think about Vuitton or or Maze or any of the luxury brands in the world. They are they all started with an iconic few pieces, and then they grew into you know major um, brands that sold uh, a variety of of items that were all luxury. So I'm sure you'll find, you know, the path forward on the brand because the brand is really just a reflection of you. And and I think maybe that's where I just back to this notion of reinvention, Daniel, what would you your story is really uh, it, it's quite amazing. I, I mean honestly it's it's inspiring. It's also, you know, it's scary as hell because of what you went through and that you got out of that. Um what's the advice you have for people? Like, what do you tell people about people who are afraid of themselves, people who are afraid to try and reinvent themselves because who, who are finding themselves in jobs they hate, like you did. Yeah. What, but they still can't get out of it because they, you know, they, Hey, we need to make money every day. So what do you tell them? I, I, I think the, the, the best advice you could have for any of that is I, I always say, man, God forbid you, you, you're, you're, at the end of your life and you say i wish i did this and i wish i did that you, you know that you could you can make a lot of money but there's one thing you can't buy is time and you can't buy that time back and you can't buy uh your decisions you, you can't change any of that so it's about living life to the fullest and and not having any regret and i think for me i a, a big thing is no, uh, a believing in yourself first, and and realizing that you have a talent, 
And if it's a, t- a talent, a gift, or, or realizing that anything is possible. And then once you realize that, then realize that life's not very long. So you, you only have a short time to really prove all this stuff to yourself, not to others. Like, why waste it? Don't have regrets. Do you ever find yourself doubting that, though? Do you ever find yourself depressed and, and going, I I don't think I can do this? I mean, you're pushing yourself pretty hard. Do you ever, like, where's the struggle for you? Oh, yeah, I have that feeling all the time. I mean, I can sound positive now. I mean, I have my days like just like anybody else. Sometimes I look at my artwork and I go, is this even really good? Or why are people buying this? Is it, could, it, could it be better? Um, you know, I, I think Instagram is super toxic. I mean, I do it just because, you know, for, for my work, I kind of have to do it. Seeing other people's art is, is theirs better. So, I mean, you always got this kind of like, am I good enough? And yeah, I mean, I, I think everyone's going to have these, but the difference is snapping out of it by the afternoon. Having these thoughts, but not letting them drag out all week. Realizing that, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe there are artwork is maybe it is better in your eyes. How do you become better? So everything becomes a, a challenge to myself. It's not about, uh, you know, I think even in the pandemic, is some people, you know, for me the the idea of it was okay, you can either roll over and. and be sad or you can work even harder at other things and and you know it's crazy i i've been doing all these other things and people message me all the time they're like wow you're so motivating i'm actually i actually started painting or i'm actually doing this so i mean that's the idea for me is not only to help myself but maybe motivate other people that's kind of why i messaged you too because people were messaging me and i said well let's do something maybe we can motivate other people to to not i know it's like super it's it's super depressing the, the the unknown of the future i mean it's almost a year and a half now of this nonsense so a lot of people that are questioning their lives and, and and going through depression so i think that you know if you spend that time focusing on different things maybe use this as an opportunity to to do the things you didn't do before maybe you're not working maybe maybe this is your time to 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 study something or to to do something if you just sit there and be sad, it's just going to be sad. There's no positive mm-hmm. result out of that. Yeah, and it is hard. I mean, I think we need to acknowledge just how hard it can be for people who are um, really struggling with what that looks like and how you know if you're in a if you're if you're stuck in a you know uh, a place where you can't imagine life getting better. That's that's very difficult, and I I agree with you that I would for me. Um, the time has been interesting because I've tried to really focus on my physical health because I thought, you know, maybe I need to sleep more and I'm going to do these things. I'm going to try, you know, working out more and doing this stuff. And, and the impact it's had on me mentally has been significant because I, there's days that I just really, I have, I suffer from anxiety, as you know, I have, you know, I, I have challenges with, you know, trying to just get myself out of my own head, like any little thing that happens, I imagine it to be 10 times worse than it actually is. Like, I can talk myself into, you know, the world is ending tomorrow if I want to. And and I would say that that's, that's actually the, the, the good side and the bad side of the power of our minds. Our minds are so powerful. And we can we can tell ourselves a story that we start to believe. 
and and the slipping of you know going into because uh, I've suffered from depression as well. The slipping of going there is is so easy, and it is hard to get yourself out of that. So this is also a good time to get help and to talk to people and to do what we're doing to just connect with people. Um, Can I suggest a book for you for everybody? Yeah. Going on what you said, I don't know if you have you ever read Man's Search for Meaning. No. Oh, okay. So it's, uh, I think it's probably one of the best books I've ever read. And um, do you know what it's about? Well, I can, from the title, I can guess. No, no, no. It's actually, (laughs) it's about a a Jewish psychotherapist who was in the Holocaust. And uh, while it was happening, he talks about his experience there. And it goes on to say, talk about exactly this, where he says, you know, the, it wasn't it wasn't the beatings that he I mean, one thing that stood out that he said in the book is this: it wasn't the beatings that I got every day. It was to look at these soldiers that would look at someone who barely resembled a human anymore and they could do this to them. He goes, but the one thing they couldn't take away from me was the positive thoughts in my head. So he finds all these yeah. like these yeah. terrible moments. And it's such a powerful book. These terrible descriptive moments he's talking about. But then he's talking about singing songs in his head. and how he just looked for a brighter future and it's such an incredible book. So I think Hmm. reading this in a time like this, it's it's a motivating book because you go, well, I don't think it gets much worse than what this guy was talking about and the experience he was going through and and the fact that he's become super successful after and and, and still had these positive thoughts. Pretty impressive. So it's a really, really good book to read. Oh, I'm going to, and thanks for that, Reco. I mean, you're exactly right. We can get so hung up in what's being taken away from us that we forget what we still have. You know, we still have so much and we're not, you know, I mean, the the Holocaust, the, you know, some of the atrocities that have been committed on humanity um, in, in countries around the world, um, the genocides, the, you know, Rwandas, the, there's so many like horrific things that have happened in, to mankind and and so we have to kind of put all of us in perspective and say hey we we yes it's not ideal but there's still a lot to be thankful for and and to try and get out of our heads of the negative and focus on what can be i i have a lot of friends who are taking advantage of this from a perspective of the time like you just said to think about what could i invent what can i do what can the future look like how can i play a part in what this world should look like and I find a lot of people now thinking about reinventing the world. And I love that. I love that people are turning their attention to making this place better. Yeah. Or even finding themselves. I've t- I, I actually messaged, I have a check on, you know, different people and see how they're doing. And uh, a few people have said, I'm having the time of my life. I'm actually, you know, uh, I'm learning things about my kids. I didn't understand. And I'm learning things about myself. I didn't know. And, and really understanding what's important to you. So I think, you know, to take this moment as a pause even in life, because it goes so fast and there's always so many things to do. Maybe this is like the, the, the reset button or the pause that's kind of said like, okay, what's important to me? Yeah. Well, I, I, I think that's super wise. And I think that's great advice to everybody. Like now's the time to think about what's important to you and focus on that. And, and be unafraid to challenge yourself to try something different. I mean, Daniel, you really are inspiring. I I love following you on Instagram because I always I always find I always think, man, he's like that guy is doing everything. He's like he's trying new things, and you know, you you 
I watch, I love watching you create because when you're in your studio with the music playing and I love watching you cook because you know, that your creativity is expressed in your cooking. Um, I love just watching you out and, and about because you see things that I can't see and you are really inspiring and you have your, your reinvention from a kid who was homeless, you know, doing drugs to now is uh, an incredibly motivating story. I really appreciate you sharing it with everybody so openly and honestly. So, yeah, thanks for having. Yeah, me. <laughs> yeah, anytime. Yeah, like we'll we'll talk again. I I can't wait to see y'all. I'm gonna have to you're gonna have to send me your uh, furniture and I'll see if I can afford it. <laughs> oh, man. It's, it's costing so much money. I just hope I do the. I do it properly. I want to build a house inside my Art Basel show this year, like a living space with walls and actually create like a house. And then just Stay tuned it. for that, everybody, because he will. <laughs> he says he wants to. He will. I Thanks, will Daniel. Okay. No different than creating art, life is an accumulation of many steps. Every addition, whether it's as small as a brushstroke or as dramatic as adding more colors, brings us closer to the finished product. To that end, you can stress about making a mistake or know that you can use it to enhance the bigger picture, which is exactly what Daniel did with his life. Knowing he was destined for more, he made impactful changes which pushed him to be in the position he finds himself today. Validation from a stranger purchasing his art gave him the confidence to quit his job and focus on what he loves most, art. Making decisions that help you realize and achieve your purpose will never be efforts you regret. Stay safe and stay human. Thanks for listening, everybody. This podcast is made possible by the great folks at Venture Communications. Thanks to our engineers, writers, producers, and all the folks who work really hard to bring you these great stories of reinventions each and every week.